Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Rick Ornelas about the changing definition of leadership. Rick Ornelas, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. John, hey, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be on your show. Uh, thank you for having me. Yeah, it is a pleasure to be with you. I'm super excited to have a nice conversation. Today, we're going to be talking about the changing definition of leadership uh, and really what that means for organizations, for their people, and for the future of work. As we get started, I wanted to share Rick's bio with everybody. Rick Ornelas is a best-selling author, professional coach, and the founder of iSpark Change. He teaches entrepreneurs how to level up in all areas of life so they can expand their social impact to spread positive change around the world. With a social sciences and communications degree and over 25 years of additional study, he has trained over 10,000 hours in communication, sociology, interpersonal relationships, and leadership. Leadership. He's the author of the best-selling 12 Hours of Heaven, Lessons for a Better World. Rick has been featured in multiple media outlets, including national and international television and radio. He's a guest contributor for various websites, regular writer for Lifehack, and has provided inspiration as a guest on over 50 podcasts. His next book, 12 Hours of Heaven, Time on Earth, is in the works. What a wonderful background. It's a pleasure to have you with me today. Anything else you would like to share with listeners by way of your background before we launch on into the conversation? Just that... Um... You know, for them, um, my background is just a result of my experiences, and I'm sure their background is as well. And so I just hope that they are open to learning something today that can help expand that. <laughs> yeah, wonderful, wonderful. So as we launch in, why don't you um, explain a little bit why I suppose it's even important to talk about how leadership has shifted over time and how we define it and, and explain it has shifted over time. And then we can get into what those shifts have actually been and the impacts on the, on the nature of work. Sure. Sure. And, and it's a, it's an awesome question, but you know, the, the, the biggest reasons that um, the leadership has shifted is that we continue to, to evolve as a, as a human species. You know, we, we've been evolving for, you know, 10,000 years or, or whatever it is. And we continue to evolve on a regular basis. And a lot of that history was in that militaristic kind of, you know, top-down type of leadership. So that was the, that led to a certain type of leader. Right. And we can get into that in a little bit, but now, now we've changed, right. We've changed, you know, a lot in the, in recent history, but even more so in the past, uh, in the past couple years, as a result of, of that pandemic, which has led to significant, significant um, changes in leadership that are, you know, they've really been, they really started probably about 30 years ago, but they really came to, you know, to a head probably in the last, you know, five years or so. 
Yeah, yeah. And I think about, you know, that kind of the traditional, quote unquote, traditional notion of what a good leader is, the great man theory, and like the tall, strong, uh, authoritative leader, right? And that's kind of what you were talking about. That's a more of a militaristic, authoritarian, um, power kind of oriented leader. Um, and and we, we see history is replete with those types of individuals. And then we get into the Industrial Revolution and multiple um, phases of the Industrial Revolution. And over time, we've started to see that that approach, while it has its place in certain contexts, doesn't always fare so well in other contexts, right? Yeah, that's exactly that's exactly the case. And and what we're finding in in as you know, as I was saying, as human beings continue to evolve, right, and, and we change, that they place greater demands on those leaders. And that's why that type of leadership doesn't work anymore because it has new demands being placed on it and and frankly can't live, can't meet those demands. You know, it, it's a scary thing for people um, who have been in leadership roles for years and decades, all of a sudden to realize, you know, come to the realization that, hey, my approach to leadership may not work as well as it did two or three or four decades ago. And so we acknowledge that this is a hard thing for people to shift and to change regularly, but that's the nature of the current world of work. And this, this really uncertain, messy world that we live in is that uncertainty uh, and messiness is the name of the game and shift and change is the name of the game. And so we have to learn how to adjust and to adapt and to pivot and to reskill and to upskill. Uh, and that includes everyone on our team, certainly who are, you know, have the technical expertise to produce the product or service that we're providing, but it, it also applies to our leadership. We need leaders who are reskilled and upskilled and who can take on new approaches to, to adjust in the way that they need so they can be effective in this current climate. Yeah, it's, it's so true. And, you know, a, a big part of it is this massive global shift that we have, this massive change in social consciousness that we have towards social impact. Because it, it used to be kind of the, you know, what you were just describing, it's the authoritarian, hey, what I say goes, right? The, the autocratic, like, it's just, hey, this is how it's going to be. And that that's persisted in many corporations that were successful, you know, in the 70s and 80s and, and you know, even into, into the 90s. Um, but that's no longer that's no longer longer the case because social impact has been growing, as I said, for the past couple of decades, and it really has has come um, come to light in the past couple of years because of the pandemic, where you know social impact has been elevated, where companies now see the importance of social impact, and you have you know large multi billion dollar uh, corporations. Um, like um, Pepsi, as an example, large multi-billion-dollar corporations like Pepsi, where you have the the C the CEO in Nuri, who is changing the whole company culture to be about performance with purpose. That it is it is about impact that they make, and that's going to drive the success of of their organization. That it's not just what she says goes. <laughs> right, right. What I say goes. Do what I say. That that. Uh... It, carrot and stick approach, a fear-based approach. If you use that, you can get people to fall in line, um, but it doesn't foster and engender commitment over time. So you might get compliance, but you won't get commitment. You won't get engagement. You won't get the heightened level of productivity and motivation, which will produce the creativity and innovation that will help the organization continue to drive value in the marketplace. Right. And so mm -hmm. 
so we we need leaders now with a different kind of repertoire. They need they need to be empathic leaders who who genuine genuinely care about their people, who recognize the value of their people, invest in their people, empower and support their people uh, to to really maximize their their potential. That's the type of leader we need. We need leaders who can create uh, trusting, psychologically safe environments. We need leaders um, who can encourage their people to speak up and to speak out. And that's something that didn't exist in, in, you know, in some cases in previous generations in certain industries. And yet that's, that's really what we need today. If we have, you know, if any organization has a hope of staying competitive in a hyper competitive global interconnected global marketplace. Yeah, it's so true, John, because, because it's now they have to focus, as you said, completely on, on their people. Yeah, and, and that is growing even more so with the emergence of, you know, I mean, millennials for a while now, but Gen Z in, the, in um, it's the first time in history that we have five generations in the, in the workplace at one time, right? And these younger generations, they place greater demands on their leaders than the older, the people that would fall in line, like you said, with that, with that carrot and, and stick, right? That would just fall in line. Now they... Um, millennials, they want praise and they, they want, you know, a, a lot of follow-up and then Gen Z, they want to show that they're valued and they want to know that they're heard. And, and these place such huge demands on leaders that they have, that's why they have to, have to um, continuously evolve. And people, you know, it's led like there, there's that whole um, great resignation, right. And great work awakening where that we've had, in the you know in the past couple of years where you know we saw four and a half million people last year when it was time to go back to work they're just like peace out i'm not coming back right and they, they said i'm not even going and then even in, in august to october of this year there was 13 million people that that have you know left the workplace and there's like 40 percent of a, of working adults in the u.s that are looking for another job at this time while, while they're actively working right and all of this is because of what we're just discussing. It's because they want their workplace to be about them. They want their leaders to, to, um, um, to know what their goals are, to support those goals, to, and the business needs to be aligned with those goals if they're going to have success. So it's really a, you know, it's kind of a circular approach to, you know, it's like what came first, you know, the, the chicken or the egg. It's like, well, are people leaving or is it the bad leadership or is, you know, what's really happening first? And, and, and the, you know, the reality is, is that the leaders have to evolve and then that will hopefully lead to people staying in the workplace. Yeah. And, and leaders, I, you know, I, I, I do a little bit of work at this in this intergenerational motivation and engagement space in terms of the research that I do. And, uh, you know, for the last decade, leaders, there's been a certain segment of leaders who have been bemoaning um, the younger millennials. And now we're getting into Gen Z uh, workers and, you know, being frustrated that they, they are kind of entitled and uh, they, they have all these high expectations for, for ongoing feedback and opportunities for promotions and advancement and all of these things. The entire time I've been seeing this unfold, you know, my thinking is, well, of course they want that because that's, you know, they, they just have a heightened level of expectation for leaders. They know what good leadership should look like and they know when they're not getting it. And when they're not getting it, they're not sticking around. They're, they're willing to go somewhere else. Uh, and that's only been accelerated during the course of the pandemic as, and especially in the last, I don't know, six plus months as we've just had this really tight labor market and people have tons of options. And, and so, 
you know, if I'm a leader who kind of has an old school style and I'm frustrated by this, I can bemoan the fact that younger workers aren't willing to put up with jobs that seem to be tedious, don't have meaning and purpose, or they don't have opportunities for growth and advancement. I can, I can complain about that, or I can choose to grow and adapt and create an environment where my people feel uh, empowered and supported and fulfilled. Um, and that's my choice. And if I choose the, the first, I'm probably going to lose all my good people. <laughs> if I yeah. choose the latter, I'm going to be competitive. Uh, and so, I mean, it's a choice that you get to make. Yeah, yeah, it, it is a choice. And it's interesting you, uh, as you share it that way, uh, John, because it, it makes me think of some of my business clients, clients that I coach. And, you know, these are these are smaller businesses. I work with uh, with doctors and entrepreneurs and, and, and different professionals that have you know, businesses that probably range from, you know, half a million dollars to maybe 10. And, and I've seen firsthand ones that are that old style that don't want to change. And they'll say, well, I'll just hire someone else. And they don't realize that, well, I mean, I try to, to, (laughs) to impart this on them, but they don't realize until it happens over and over again, is that, you know, the, the cost to replace someone is, is so high. It, it, I mean, studies show that, you know, even an employee that's like a 10, $15 employees employee, the cost to, you know, someone that's been there for a year, the cost to replace them can be up to $25,000. And in larger corporations, it can be as, as much as like half a million dollars to replace, to replace someone, right? Uh, the cost of like hiring, hiring the wrong person, right? And having to, having to go through the process all over again. And, and that's where they don't, they don't see it, right? Is they just think, oh, there's, there's, you know, for that one person that doesn't want to fall in line, there's 10 other people that will do the same thing. And that, that's no longer the case. You no, know, it's not, now, it's not true anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it's not true. Now, now, now three-fourths of, of workers out there they'll take a lower paying job if it matches their values. And, and they'll consider a company's social and environmental commitments before they even decide to work for them, right? And if they don't have like corporate responsibility, they're, they're not even gonna bother. So it, it, um, that's why you see you know, whole masses, millions of people that just said, I just won't go back to work because it, it, doesn't, um, you know, it doesn't match my values. And then you throw in, you know, obviously, uh, unemployment and other things into the mix, and then it kind of clouds things. But, but the big underlying factor is that is that they they want to be supported as individuals, and they want to be valued uh, as individuals. I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership, The Journey of Becoming a Truly Remarkable Leader. Early in my adult life, I learned about an Asian proverb that translates as bluer than indigo. If you think about the color indigo, it is a brilliant, deep, and vibrant blue. What some would call the bluest of blues. To have something that is bluer than indigo is rare and truly remarkable. Contrary to popular myth, There is no one-size-fits-all or cookie-cutter approach to effective leadership. There's no silver bullet, no secret sauce, no go-to model that will solve all of our problems. The truth is, great leaders have all had their unique strengths and flaws, and have all had to discover and then pave their own distinctive path in their life's journey to fulfill their leadership potential. 
bluer than indigo leadership will help you discover your own path and explore those ordinary everyday actions that will help you respond to an uncertain future and produce extraordinary results for individuals, teams, and organizations. Yeah, and so we can choose to view that as entitlement, and it's certainly a bit different, um, you know, than a previous generations who are willing to go in, you know, start at the very bottom rung, work their way up over decades within the same organization. You know, that's my parents' generation. That's what many of them did. Um, but we've seen that shift for decades. I mean, we've been moving away from that model for a really long time. Um, as the, the, the psychological contract between employer and employee has shifted and neither employee or employer anymore seem to want that kind of long-term, uh, decades-long, career-long commitment to each other. Uh, and, and so, you know, again, I as a leader can be frustrated by the fact that my people um, seem to be jumping from opportunity to opportunity. But guess what? If, if you create a dynamic workplace environment that's psychologically safe, that's engaging, that's inspiring, that's purpose-driven, people won't be job hopping. They, they will stick around. There are people that stick around in companies for a long time, but only when they work with great people in a great organization with a great culture. And when that's not the case, of course, they're going to be looking for other opportunities or at, at a minimum, uh, you know, an opportunity for career advancement or, you know, the next role that's going to help you know, launch them into where they want to be in their career. And so we just have to, as leaders today, we can't fall back on the old models. We can't just assume that because we have a title and a position that people are going to follow us. We have to, to behave in ways that are worthy of their followership. Uh, we have to, we have to inspire, we have to support, I have to be genuine and authentic, and I have to, to uh, truly care about my people. That's not necessarily how it was um, in previous generations. Now, don't get me wrong, there are plenty of examples of people who were wonderful, great leaders in the way we're talking about it today, even in the past. Uh, so it's not, you know, I don't want to give the impression that you know, it's worked so evolved that all of a sudden now it's just so much better than it was before. I mean, there's always been good leaders. There's always been crappy leaders. But generally speaking, you know, we have made uh, some adjustments and the workplace just requires a different type of leader today. And, and the labor force requires a different type of leader today uh, or they're not going to be willing to stick around. Yeah, it, it's so true. It's so true. And and the, you know, the, the big reality is that... Um, that it, it's not just about the culture and the environment. It's about the organization truly supporting that individual and what their dreams and what their goals, uh, what their goals are. You know, I read this, this very simple little book by Matthew Kelly called The Dream Manager. He talks about this fictitious story of, of this organization that, that um helps they they're they're suffering they're a janitorial company right and they have huge turnover it's like 60 70 percent or some crazy number right and they realize that what they need to do is they help they need to help their employees reach their dreams and then by doing that they they hire they create a position called a dream manager and this dream manager what he does is he supports the employees and counsels them and, and lets them to helps them to fulfill their dreams you know whether it's buy a house or you know put their kid through college or whatever it is and then the company grows by leaps and bounds and, and you know, the turnover rate 
declines significantly in a janitorial service company, right? And again, it's a it's a fictitious company, but um, you know Matthew Kelly, like I, works with with uh, with businesses, and and it, it it illustrates the point that um, you know as as Zig Ziglar said, you can have anything you want in life. You just have to help enough other people get what they want. And if you if you really support others, um, then and support them and you know achieving what they want, then guess what? Your business is going to grow. It will grow grow by default um, if you support the people. Grow your people, and that's going to grow your business. Yeah, yeah, very, very well said. So as we move into the future of work, we're still kind of in the middle of the pandemic. Um, you know, we have new variants coming out, and and people are still. Um, wrestling with how to keep their people healthy and safe. We, we have more, we still have more remote workers and hybrid workers than we had pre-pandemic. Uh, and, and the reality is the workplace has shifted and it, it will continue to shift. Uh, where are we at? You know, we, so we've talked about where we were at before, kind of where we're at now. Where do you see us going, say, in the next 10 plus years in terms of the, the type of leaders that we're going, going to need moving into the future of work? They... They have to have, there's really, there's really three, three components that these leaders have to have. One, they have to have that social impact component. They have to, they need to be a social impact leader, right? And last year during the pandemic, Engage for Good did some research and, and they found, and Porto Novelli did some similar research, and they found that 85% of executives, and these are in companies that do half a, um, you know, minimum of half a billion dollars, okay? They found that 85% of them believe that being a purpose-driven company drives profit. And consumers believe that it's important, important for uh, companies to stand for social justice issues. You know, and we saw that last year when, you know, uh, with um, companies like Nike in response to the George Floyd um, you know, uh, incident and, and things like that. And you know, what, what the, this demonstrates is that if you're socially conscious, if you are a social impact leader and you you know, propel your company in that, in that regard, like, uh, you know, the example I gave earlier with Pepsi, then that's going to lead to success in your business, right? That's going to help your business to grow. The second one is that, um, you know, rapid communication and agile communication is, is king with, with your clients and more importantly with your people, because they need to know, you know, why you do what you do, right? Who do you serve? Um, uh, who do you champion? You know, why you exist, why they're there. They need to know why they're there. Like why, why, why are they, what work are they doing in, in the capacity that they do it in, right? And they, it, they need to know why they're there um, at work. And that's, that's only going to become greater in, um, as we said, with like Generation Z, you know, some of the younger generations where they really need to have that fulfillment as part of their work, right? And the third component is that, you know, the modern workplace, as you, you talk about evolution, right, it, it has that impact component, it has that purpose component, and that fulfillment component. For the leader, it means emotional intelligence. Now, emotional intelligence, you know, it's been around for like 30 years, right? Um, but it's no more important now. It, it's more important now than ever because of the first two, because of the need for that social impact, and the need for showing, uh, you know, fulfilling your employees' dreams and showing that you support them, you have to be an emotionally intelligent individual to do so. Because if you're focused, I mean, there's plenty of, of examples of, of, you know, raw, intelligent people that um, 
they don't do well in business, right? Or they do they do well in business because they have great teams to support them, like Steve Jobs, for example. I mean, he was notorious, like a dictator, but he had great people around him that that could be that buffer between you know him and and you know everyone else in the workforce, right? But if you have that emotional intelligence component, then that's going to translate to success in your in your business because 66% of all small businesses fail due to emotional shortcomings. So if you can be that emotionally intelligent leader, then that's going to translate into growing your people and that's going to translate into success for your business. Well said, Rick. It has just been a real pleasure. I know the time and I need to let you go. But before we close, I wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can get connected with you, find about more about your work, your team, uh, your book, your upcoming book, and then give us a final word on the topic for today. Yeah, thank you very much, um, John. It's been a pleasure to be on your show. And I've enjoyed the conversation. I always enjoy that, you know, kind of back and forth, <laughs> back and forth conversation about a topic that I'm passionate about. So as far as where people can, can connect with me, um, my organization, iSpark Change, we are iSpark Change on all social media platforms. So on Instagram, Facebook, um, LinkedIn, we have a new LinkedIn uh, group for social impact leaders on, on LinkedIn called iSpark Change, um, YouTube channel, I mean, all of the above. The best place though is to go to www.isparkchange.com, the letter I and then sparkchange.com. There they can join our community, whether they're an individual or a business leader. They can learn more about social impact. They can learn more about spreading positive change. Um, they can read about and, and see videos about what we're talking about. And they can nominate, even nominate someone that they know to be a social impact hero, um, that, you know, someone that, that resonates what we're, what we're discussing here today. Um, but that's where they can connect. Um, you know, my book is 12 Hours of Heaven Lessons for a Better World that, that talks about, you know, a lot of things that you can do to support one another in these crazy times. And uh, my upcoming one, one is 12 Hours of Heaven Time on Earth. Um, and I won't get into details there. We'll save that for another time. Um, but my, my parting word to anyone would be to, as I said in the beginning, continue to learn, continue to grow. Don't be stagnant. You know, anything that is stagnant just um, rots and dies. And so continue to evolve and grow, whether you're a leader, whether, you know, you lead a family or a business or, or yourself, just continue that uh, evolution and you'll continue to, uh, to flourish. Well said, Rick. It has been a pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Rick can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe. They can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. alchemy of truly remarkable leadership, ordinary everyday actions that produce extraordinary results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years with increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition. The average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. 
The Alchemy of Truly Remarkable Leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Check out Human Capital Innovations magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free interactive e-magazine with the mission to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We publish issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Take a look at the latest issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.